Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. So we're here today to, to look at the dining room. It's a very important room in our, heart, in our house because food is involved. And, uh, and I want us to understand some things very much uh, from the Bible. Um, and, and maybe it's like a little bit uh, different even for you to think in this way. But I, I believe the Bible teaches us that, that food, food has power. Is anyone glad about that? It's a, Food, food has power. Um, there is this amazing account in the Old Testament in, in 1 Samuel 25 where there's a man called Nabal and, and, and King David sent his men and, and asked for Nabal to show his men favour and far from doing that, he, he sent them away, embarrassed them and, um, and David was angry. Uh, he, he, he did get angry from time to time. And, um, and he was actually send, he was actually got on his horse with a group of men and he was going to go back to kill this guy. Um, and his wife got wind of her husband's stupidity. Are we glad that we have some wives who from time to time get wind of their husband's stupidity and decide to intercept? I know you can't be too encouraging right now in this moment but I'm glad I'm glad that there are wives who see our stupidity and help us to put things right and in 1 Samuel 25 it says Abigail acted quickly she took 200 loaves of bread two skins of wine five dressed sheep um, five sears of roasted grain 100 cakes of raisins and 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. I, I, I love the fact that Abigail acted quickly and was able to prepare all that. It is pretty, pretty amazing. And then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. And the end of the story is that she sent the food ahead and actually appeased David's anger, calmed him down and disaster was averted. Um, the actual story is the Lord took out Nabal at the end of that, but that's another story for another, another day. But, um, but the, it shows there is great power. There was, there was a, the, 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 that food um, averted a disaster. Jesus used food to great effect. He, um, he went to Zacchaeus' house um, and, and he said, you know, I think in Sunday school, I wasn't really in Sunday school, but, you know, I think there's a little song about going to Zacchaeus' house for tea. Well, the Bible actually says that they stay, Jesus went to stay with him, which meant that they would have been in that culture absolutely shown hospitality. And Zacchaeus' life was transformed around food. Important things happen around food. That's why what, what uh, Tando said, you know, that um, when, we, when we, gather, we gather as church... Next week at Woolerton Park, around food, having a picnic. I know some of you might struggle with it, but that is just as much church when we do that as what we do here. We don't do that every week, but it is church. When we gather as community and we will remember the Lord together in the breaking 
of bread. Speaking of which, Jesus chose the Passover meal to declare a new covenant. That's what the, the Last Supper was all about. He, he, he actually declared the most significant spiritual shift uh, uh, in, uh, ever in the fact that now we are redefining with all the picture language of what the Passover meal was about. We are now redefining that. And this will, this, this will be a new covenant. When you take of this cup, when you take of this bread, the Lord said, remember me. And then, of course, Jesus restores Peter's life and ministry around food. Peter had denied the Lord three times. And, and the Lord prepared a meal. I, I, I love that. I love that. I've, if some of you have been around for a while, you know, I've talked about when the Lord, the Lord baked bread. The Lord was baking bread on the, on the shore. And, and it's just the thought of God baking bread. I just find that utterly fascinating. And it was, it was a meal in which somebody's life was restored. And when you think about what Peter went on to do, that is a very, very powerful, a very powerful thing. Um, so what I'm, what I'm sharing with you is, um, I'm sharing with you things that have been learned, you know, over many, many years, you know, um, and so it's something for you to, to listen to, to take away, to, to maybe, um, reassess, uh, some of how you do things, um, I'm not saying this is absolutely the way to do it. I'm just sharing some stuff with you that worked for us. And who knows, it might, it might, it might work for you as well. Um, and I also want to say that the culture that Lynn and I established in our house was not necessarily something that we personally experienced in our upbringing. So... I only say that so that we don't sit here thinking, well, I wasn't brought up like that. Now, there may be great things about the way you were brought up that you want to use. And maybe there was some stuff that was, ah, you know, not that great. Well, you're not slave to that either. You know, we are, we are responsible. We took on the responsibility on establishing the culture of our family. You know, um, it's like when the kids used to come home and, you know, and say to us, oh, you know, can we go here, can we go there? And they'll say, well, not really. And they say, oh, oh, everybody's doing it. And I say, well, not everybody, because you're not. Um, <laughs> but the reason for that is why? Because, because we establish the culture of what is right for our for our family, and I do think that it's it's important. You'll understand that as we talk about this, we're talking much more than about a dining table and food. Um, I also want to remind us that culture in your home will emerge whether you do not, whether you do something or not. You don't have to do anything, and culture 
will establish itself by just doing nothing. So what I'm saying to you is let's rather be intentional about it. Let's decide what is going to work in our home with our family. Um, um, my wife has talked on this subject and because I want to give her credit for this because if I say this next fact that came from her notes and I don't give her credit for it, I could get myself in a whole world of trouble. But I'm going to bless myself. Thank you, Lawrence. Um, research shows that, that countries with a strong food culture have strong families. Cultures with a strong food culture have strong families. Gathering around food at a table has also the ability to ease depression, especially as you discuss your day and hopefully encourage self, to, uh, it encourages self-esteem to develop. The, the dining table is it's a place of intimacy. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, hopefully, um, you know, when, when you're dating, you know, you, you go out for a meal. I don't think you should ever stop dating. No matter how long you've been married, you should never stop dating. <sighs> Problem with me talking about this stuff, I could get lost down so many rabbit holes. Because it is so important. If you want your marriage to succeed, you've got to always work on it. You've got to keep, you know, when you're dating each other, you dress up for each other, you look good for each other. That's the part of the dating process. What happens then when you get married? Why do you not carry on doing that for one another? I just saw a couple of elbows. Did do that I don't know I'm not looking anywhere particularly but we've we've got it we've got to keep dating it intimacy intimacy and, and that means you create an environment the thing about romance is that that you haven't you, you don't you probably don't go and sit under the fluorescent lights of McDonald's major tip there guys young men looking for a lady, major tip. That is not, I don't care, even if you do buy a Big Mac with extra large fries, it's not gonna, it's not gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? You need something more than that. Uh, intimacy, uh, intimacy will build a storm-proof relationship. I'm not sure, it scares me a little bit that we, we, we are building a life, a generation of people who, who don't really know how to be intimate. They have relationships. And, uh, you know, intimacy, intimacy is so much more than about a three-letter word that starts with S and ends with X. I'm saying that because I don't know if there are any kids in the room. But the point is that that, that is... That, Intimacy is something that we build in our day, in our day to day. Um, I'm not afraid to talk about that stuff, by the way, but I just want to uh, be sensitive with kids being around, etc. Um, and um, in order for true intimacy to be present, there needs to be trust 
and the feeling of safety and security. And, and I want to say all that because it's, but we build that stuff. We build that stuff around the table in our everydays, in the ordinary, boring, everyday stuff. That is where we develop the, the, we, we, we develop the, the, the atmosphere, the environment in which we can be honest, real and intimate with one another. The dining table looks different through the different seasons of life. So our dining table now looks very different to what it did look like years ago. And, and, and it will change. And what goes on around it will change. What I want to say is that we, we, we believe absolutely in having a table that you sit around as a family. And on days like today, when we're talking about this stuff, it's easy to, to, to nod and agree because intellectually there's something in us that says, yeah, I get it. No, that's right. That's cool. But then the truth is that when you're absolutely bushed at the end of the day and, and you know, it, it, there are some things, if we're being honest, it's just easier. Just easier. Just get some food down the neck and get them off to bed, you know. I know you can't agree with me on that because you want to look like good Christian people and that you're doing a better job than that. But there are some days where it just feels easier to do that. You just don't feel like you've got the emotional capacity to do that because of stuff that's going on in your life. But I want to say that if you take the time to build the habit, the habit will work for you. The habit will work for you. And so you've got, you've got, to, you've got to do it and you've got to keep doing it and understand that this environment um, will evolve down the years. So I'm going to just talk us through some practical stuff about what happens around the table and why it's important. Is that okay? I'm happy you said that. I haven't got anything else to share. So it would have been an awkward long silence if uh, that was okay. So the dining room, the dining room table is a, it's a place of preparation and instruction. A place of preparation and instruction. And I want to say that we believe in preparing the table. And we believe in getting the children involved in preparing the table. Um, and the reason we prepare the table is because we're not just preparing an environment for food. And I think this is what I want us to really get. We're preparing an environment where we are building into lives that will also happen around food. And I think that when we understand that about the event, we are more likely to put the effort in to make it work. This moment isn't just about eating. We're preparing a table because this is one of the places we prepare people. And what happens at the dining room table is gloriously complex. But even when your children are younger, it's worth the effort. Um, I, I can remember, like, 
we, I, I don't know why I remember particularly, but we used to sit at the table and even have the youngest. I remember Joe being at the table in the, in the, in the high chair. He, he also sits at the table. I remember Gabrielle doing the same. We, 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 everyone comes to the table. This is a moment where we are together. Especially as we develop in life, we go in all different directions and, and we do all different kinds of things. And so you've got to be intentional about having family time. You've got to be intentional about having time together. It's, it's true of marriages. It's true of family time. We, uh, particularly uh, when we were in South Africa and our kids were a bit older and they were doing their own stuff, Tuesday nights were family nights. Nobody, not one person in our family could decide to do something on Tuesday night of their own volition because Tuesday night is family night. And if something in life did come up, you had to come to the family to ask permission to take that night off. Because Tuesday night is family night. And you've got to be that rigid because otherwise there'll always be someone with an excuse. Something will always come to erode on that time. So it's time together. It's inclusive. And I want to say it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be fun. Um, and particularly when our children are young, it's not meant to be a war zone. And, and, and instead of mealtimes being a pleasant time, everyone's just quietly getting worked up because they know that they're going to have a battle. And, and I, I want to suggest to us that sometimes we get what we allow. We get what we allow. Um, and I say it's meant to be fun. Does that mean that I always am going to feel like making it fun? No. Do I always feel fun? No. Do I feel like having fun at the end of the day? No, but I'm the parent. I'm the parent. So I've got, to, I've got to understand that this moment is more than about food. It's more than about, uh, it's, it, this moment is the time of day we are gathering together. So we've got to make something of it. We've got to dig deep, even if we're tired, even if we're at the end of ourselves. Because let me tell you something, if just... Imagine for a moment, end of the day, you're tired, you're at the end of yourself. If for some reason your boss knocked at the front door, you'd be, oh, <laughs> hi, wow, I wasn't expecting you here. Oh, yes, yes, come in, come in. You, you would you'd dig deep then. We'd get a different version of you then. So all I'm saying is it is possible. It is possible, and I want to suggest there's someone more important than your boss already in your house. And you've got to make an effort to make this time important. You see, your kids will value this time if you value it. They will value it if they see you valuing it. And I want to say that you've got to, you've got to find ways. And listen, have... Has our table been a war zone? Absolutely, particularly when they're younger. But you've got you've to keep molding and shaping things. Mealtimes is not just about giving them food they want or like. 
feel like we've gone into a heavy place and it's all gone quiet. It's supposed to be lighter, but I want to say that what I mean by that is we're teaching them about food. Are you okay? Is this okay? It's like we're not, it's not, we're actually, we're teaching them about what food is. We're introducing them that it's not just about what I like, but food is also about health. I need to eat some things that are good for me, whether I like them or not. Giving your body things to, to function properly. They need to understand that. That's what this time is about. If, we, we're, gonna, if, if we're only going to eat the things we like, then we're not going to be healthy, most of us. So we have to learn to eat a varying amount of food. Food is about enjoyment, but it's also about health. So I want to say that it's a time to introduce different tastes and textures, and it's going to help you a lot if you do that when they're young. Do, the moment they can start uh, eating solids properly, it's a time to introduce them. But I've got to say, if you've got issues with food, if you've got issues with food as a parent, you will pass those issues on to your kids. Because your kids are watching you. They're not just listening to what you say. They're watching you and they're watching what you eat. And, you know, there are some things that are non-negotiables. Like we used to, our non-negotiable at the family table was, you can't say you don't like it if you've never tried it. I said, no, I don't like it. Well, you don't know. You've never tried it. I just know. No, you don't know. <laughs> and then you've got, you've got this moment where it's the end of the day. You're tired. You think, I don't need this. I don't need this. I've had a day. I do, I've had a day and a half. I do not need this. You know, and it's like, and that's when it's easy to take the, the, the easy way out and say, well, what do you want then? Oh, if you only knew what you were doing in that moment. You're making a rod for your own back. We, we, we taught our children that, that if your mom or dad have made food, if they have prepared food for you, then you should be grateful for that. We're not asking you to love everything, but you are not allowed to say, I don't like it, I don't want it, and shove the plate away. You, 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 uh, you appreciate the fact that someone has prepared you food. So you, that's why this is an environment where we're teaching and preparing our children to be grateful. I may not love everything on the plate, but somebody's prepared food for me. I want to say that being genuinely hungry means that they will be less fussy about what they eat. I just wonder how many of our kids are genuinely hungry when they get to the table because they've eaten so many snacks during the day. Sugary snacks, snacks. So that, and, and, and so it means that when it comes to dinner time, they're not, they're not hungry. So they must, they're going to be, they're going to be more, they're going to be more fussy. Um, now, there are times when your kids are genuinely not going to be hungry. 
And I think that that is something that should be respected. When, when, you, when you come to a place of genuinely understanding that they are not hungry. There are also some things that our kids had a genuine dislike of. My Aaron had a genuine dislike of peas. And after many, many long battles, I just came to the understanding that this was never going to happen. Doesn't like peas, still doesn't like peas. And it's just something about them. And, and like that is, that's cool. But if, if they are genuinely not hungry, then sometimes you will allow that to go. Okay, that's cool. You know, you don't have to eat. But then that doesn't mean that half an hour later they say, can I have a bag of crisps? Can I have a biscuit? Wait a minute. I thought you weren't hungry. I am now. Great. I've got a dinner I prepared for you earlier. <laughs> table is a place to teach table manners. Um, not, to, not to be stiff and starchy, but there are some basic things. I think, I, I start to feel old-fashioned when I say things like this. When you when you've finish your meal, honestly, in my understanding, and I wasn't brought up in a posh household, trust me. But when you finish your meal, you put your knife and fork together. I can't believe how many people I see in this day and age, they don't put the knife and fork together. You put your knife and fork together. <clears throat> it's okay, Malcolm. <laughs> Just breathe. It's fine. Jesus loves you. It's okay. Putting your knife and fork together is a sign to the waiter that you have finished your food. Leaving your plate with your knife and fork apart, it is a sign that you are not finished. Is there anyone else who can just give me a slight amen? An amen to that. Teach your children to put your knife and fork together when you're done. You scrape the food that you don't want to the side of the plate and then you put your knife and fork together. When, they, when it's time to get down, you say, oh, thank you. In fact, my kids all used to, Joe will tell you now, they used to come up with this terrible song. It's, thank you for my dinner. Can I get down, please? It was like, it lacked a little sincerity. But, but there, was, there was some reality in it that you said thank you. When someone has prepared food for you and you have eaten, you say thank you. For what you have, for what you've eaten. And, and you say thank you. These things are not always easy to implement and will require mind-numbing repetition. <laughs> but it will be worth it in the end. And I believe it's miles easier the younger you start. I'm not saying it's always fun to have these battles with your kids, but I would want to say to you that our children need us to be parents first, friends second. Be a parent first. Are we okay? Um, so I'm saying all this, but... This isn't all one session. This isn't all, it happens over a period of time because the lighter and more fun. You want to make mealtime enjoyable. You want to make it fun. You want them to want to come. That's why preparing to eat means preparing to enjoy. The food means that I don't fill up on chocolates and snacks before dinner. The dining table should be a place 
of laughter. Our dining table has always been a place of banter, which not all of you will appreciate. I can understand, but, uh, you know, I've not always appreciated it. But <laughs> it is just the way our family dynamics work. But you, it should be a place of joy. It should be a place of laughter. You know, it's been said that the family that prays together stays together. But I want to say, I know some of us are going to love that. Yes, it's true. It's true. I've got to say, I'm going to say this. I'm probably going to upset you. I don't think prayer is enough. In this regard, I'm sorry. I don't think prayer is enough. Shoot me. I, th I think we need, we, need more than, we need more than that. We need, we need, I'm not saying don't pray, but I'm saying it's not just the family that prays together, that stays together. It's the family that laughs together. It's the family that talks together. It's the family that spends time together. It's the family that has fun. That's the family that stays together, not just the family that prays together. Living in the same house is not the same as being a family. That's why mealtimes are so important because we need to gather and engage with one another. And I'm going to say this to you, mostly it will not be perfect. But every now and again, it'll get pretty close if you keep, if you keep at it. Mealtimes, you know, especially with small kids, it may only be 10 minutes. But big buildings are built with little bricks. And so you've got to, you're not expecting to sit down with your five-year-old and say, so how's your day been? I mean, until my kids were 17, I used to say, how's your day? What have you done today? And they say, nothing. My kids did nothing for 17 years. Absolutely nothing for 17 years. But you've got to, you, yeah. So I want to say this. I want to say this. Mealtimes is a no phone zone, no iPad zone, no iPad zone, TV off. Oh, a little ripple of applause at the back there. Thank you very much. Why? Because this is, it's not just about sitting at the table together. It's about talking to one another. Conversing with one another. It's a time to speak about your day. It's about conversation. It's, you've got you've to go through this stuff. It's about an opportunity to affirm. If you want your teenagers to talk to you, then listen to them when they're three. If you want your teenagers to talk to you, listen to them when they are three. Because they will learn whether they have your ear or not. Consistency is the key. You just got to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Oh, keep doing it. Keep doing it. It's, it's the only way to build the family that you dream of. If you sow indifference, you will reap indifference. I believe the table is a place for restoration. We saw, we saw that with Abigail. Um, I believe that if every, every family has those seasons when, you know, it's just, it's like, it's not great. You know, everyone's having a little go at each other. And, you know, it's just, 
it just happens, doesn't it? You don't understand. And, and that's normal. It's normal. You're not a terrible parent. You're not a terrible mother. You're not a terrible father. It's just what happens when you're trying to bring up human beings, little human beings, with all the imperfections of that environment. It is a challenge, but don't give up. Keep going. And it's, I believe, honestly, in those seasons, to actually take the time to prepare a nice meal, set the table with knives and forks, put a, a candle in there or an electric one if you've got three-year-olds. But you, you just set, set the environment. I think that having a nice meal together, having some nice food together um, is a very restorative thing for family life. You know, the table can be a place to heal. Um, you know, even Jesus says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There is something both healing and delivering about being around food. And then finally, let me say this. The place, the table is a place of celebration. And I say that because we'll find any excuse to celebrate anything. And I think this is one of the keys to making the table a place of fun. And, you know, it's, it's not an, an opportunity to get stressed just about the kind of food that's produced. I do believe in, uh, if, in, in developing the taste of the family so that you've got a broad, a broad taste of, of, what, of what is good um, and, and, and not just buying processed stuff that you heat up and shove on the table because it's the easiest thing. And you say, well, I can't cook. Well, can you learn? I think that we all, we all can learn, men and women. I'm not just talking about the ladies. I'm talking about men and women could all. I think our kids should learn to cook. They shouldn't have you doing everything for them. Part of their exiting strategy, your exiting strategy of them preparing to university is that every one of them should be at least able to prepare five meals. Even if it is spaghetti bolognese or lasagna or something, something that's cheap, simple and, and healthy. But every one of us, every one of us should be able to, to, every one of us in this room should be able to at least cook three meals. Turn to someone and say, he's talking to you. He's, every one of us. There's actually no excuse. If you don't know what to do, YouTube it. You can go on YouTube. I'm telling you, if, if, if some of the dads in this place cooked a meal, the kids would pass out of the table. But it's a place of celebration. Birthdays should be celebrated. But not only, I mean, they're the obvious things. What about an improved spelling test? What about, I don't know, they hung up the blazer. Do you know what I mean? It's just sometimes it gets down to that. They did put their shoes on the rack. Thank you, Jesus. It's actually happened. And it's doing, it's doing 
stupid things that you, uh, your family, your, your culture. We used, we used to do this stupid thing every year. And I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I'm going to tell you because I just, I think if, if I tell you this, you might be prepared to do your own thing. So when in South Africa, we're in the Southern Hemisphere, Christmas time was always hot because that's what it's like. It always has been hot in the Southern Hemisphere at Christmas time. So we missed our Northern Hemisphere Christmas. So we used to have Christmas in August. And there's a, there's, a, there's a public holiday called Women's Day on the 9th of August. And we made that our family Christmas day. Because at that time of year, it's cold, it's wet in Cape Town. You light a fire. We had a Christmas dinner. We bought one little gift each. We had like a secret Santa. Everyone brought a little gift for them. And we put up the tree and we put the lights. And it was the 9th of August and we had Christmas Day every year. And I know we need help. But it was just a fun thing. We did and we loved it and we, we looked forward to it. I don't know why this reminds me of an incident where Joseph bought his mom some jewelry. I've got to tell this story. It's just come to me. I feel prompted by the spirit. And he went to a cheap shop and he bought this jewelry. And then he went into an exclusive jeweler's and convinced the girl behind the counter to wrap his jewelry that he'd bought in their boxes and gift wrap it free of charge and gave that to his mother for Christmas. You can all talk to him about that afterwards. All I want to do is just throw some things your way. Put some things in your mind. Because I want you to know we still gather around the table. We still look for excuses to gather around the table to eat some nice food, to enjoy being with each other. There's still loads of banter. Thankfully, there's not quite so much food thrown around the room as there has been in times gone by. But it is so, so important and you don't know you don't know that in the ordinariness and the mundane of just doing it over and over and over just one day as you're packing away the plates or you're loading the dishwasher or you're washing up or whatever it is you're doing and one of your kids will just come up with something that is really deep the moment won't look like it warrants this kind of thing. But it's because in the safety and the consistency, there is a moment of security that allows them to share something that is really deep. And I want to say, that's, one I, that's, one I, that's what I want to say. It's worth it. The, the dining room table is a place of preparation. It's a place of instruction. It's a place of conversation. It's a place of affirmation. It's a place of restoration. And it's a place of celebration. When we learn to build family, we build community. When we build community, we can influence a neighborhood. When we influence a neighborhood, we can influence a city. 
And if we can influence a city, we can influence a nation. Shall we pray? Father, I want to say thank you for all these incredible people in the room. And Lord, we, we accept the challenge because we believe. We believe in relationship. We believe in family. We believe in love. And, and we understand that it doesn't just happen. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. But it's worth it. And we pray, Father, that you'd help each one of us here. Give us our own stories. Give us our own traditions. Give us our own um, uh, creativity and help us to build environments that build family. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.